Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who was especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Well, good morning, church. Good morning and welcome to our house. Welcome to Riverside and Merry Christmas. Hope you're off to a great Christmas season. Christmas came early for me. Uh, my favorite elder took me boot shopping this week. So yeah, I guess I'm officially a Texan. I don't know if that counts or not. If I get a card in the mail, I don't know why you're applauding. But you know, uh, thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. It's uh, man, it's just uh, it really is a great time of year, and we're excited to gather. Today. Before we begin, though, I want to start uh, by saying thank you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I stood before you, and it was our end-of-year giving Sunday, and I shared that uh, once again, as we kind of come down to the end of the year, uh, we wanted to kind of let you know where we stood financially as a church, and as we enter December, uh, it, it looked like we might come up a little bit short in terms of what we had budgeted and planned for the year. Uh, I'm really thankful to our finance team. If you don't know this, we have a wonderful group of difference makers who serve this church in a phenomenal way, and they are incredible in helping us uh, be and maintain uh, being good stewards of the gifts that you give. And so once again, they, they, uh, they wanted to let us know, hey, this is kind of where we are, and would you let the church know? And so we did. Uh, but I'm happy to report today that because of your generosity, we're not only going to uh, meet budget we already have, we're going to exceed to have a surplus once again in 2019 because of your generosity. And I want to say thank you uh, for that because uh, it, that just, for, for me, I think I can speak for our staff and elders, it's such a joy to serve a generous church and for you to know uh, that that is uh, who you are, who we are our, as a church. I believe it's that spirit of generosity that's going to bless this church in unseen ways for generations to come. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll continue to communicate more about that as the, the year wraps up and as we begin the new year. But I wanted you to know that today, uh, that once again, God has blessed us. You have blessed this church. And, um, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, are you ready uh, for Christmas? Uh, we're drawing near to the end of this series. We're calling Faith, Hope, and Love. And we're drawing near to Christmas Day. Uh, we, you have three shopping days left. So if you're a Prime member, maybe, just maybe, you can get something delivered by the 24th if you haven't done your shopping yet. Some of you have been ready for weeks and months. And, uh, well, that's great for you. The rest of us uh, is taking a little more. And maybe we're still scrambling to get those last-minute gifts uh, ready. It's the season, right? It's that time of year where we've got the decorations up and the lights are out and, and it's beautiful. It's the time of year where we're singing these songs that we really only sing, it seems like, one time of year from Joy to the World to Jingle Bells. It's just, uh, it's amazing. We've got the presents are coming together and they're getting wrapped up under the tree. And it, these are the, the sights and the sounds of Christmas. And we love this time of year and we love these things that make Christmas so special and make it what it is and make it such an exciting time but it's it's this time of year every year that I always kind of wonder about this question and, and, and I know you've asked it too what is Christmas really about what is Christmas really about uh, if you've seen the movie The Grinch the one with Jim Carrey in it uh, you know that there uh, there comes a moment when a little girl by the name of Cindy Lou who asked this same question the Grinch is dressed up like Santa Claus, and he's entered Whoville, and he's making the rounds to every house, not to give presents, but to steal all the presents, and to take the Christmas trees and everything, and, and to remove every, every semblance of Christmas, because his plot, his ploy is to, to remove Christmas cheer and take away Christmas. 
And Cindy Lou Who comes downstairs on Christmas night, and it's the Grinch that's in her living room, but she thinks it's Santa because he's dressed up like Santa. And so she asks Santa, the Grinch, this question, what is Christmas really about? And if you remember, his first response is vengeance. But he quickly realized, okay, this is not the right answer. Uh, and then he's like, er, um, I mean, presents. And you can see on Cindy Lou's face, it just drops with disappointment. Because that's not the answer she was hoping for. And, and I'm guessing if you were to meet Santa Claus on Christmas night, and you were to ask him that question, what is Christmas really about? And if he were to say presents, you might be disappointed too because as much as we love the decorations and the lights as much as we love the songs of Christmas as much as we love the gifts under the tree I think all of us know there's got to be something more there's got to be something more than just the lights and decorations what is Christmas really about my guess is if we pass the microphone this morning and I asked you to answer that question you would all come up with a variety of answers and they would all be right Some of you may say Christmas is a time for hope. We have incredible hope. Christmas is a time for believing. And we've talked about those ideas of believing and hope over the last few weeks. Some of you would say Christmas is a a time of peace. It's a time when we lay our weapons down and we cross enemy lines and, and we forgive each other and we try to make things right between each other. Christmas is a time for family and friends to gather around tables and to enjoy each other's presence. But I I would suspect that the common denominator for every answer that we would give if we were to pass the mic this morning would be this. Christmas is really about love. Love. And if that's true, then I still have one more question, and it would be this. If that's true, then what does this love look like? Because my, my suspicion is, for a lot of us, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas on the outside but on the inside a lot of us we may not say this but we feel a little bit more like the Grinch and I don't know what that is about us and we don't want anyone really to know that we know that about us we don't want anyone else to know that about us but the the truth is when it comes to Christmas we're we've got the the decorations up the tree is out we've got the lights out we've got the cookies cookies are, are being baked and made we've we've got all the the presents you know coming together and they're getting wrapped and and we're we're, we're fully in and, and the outside it looks like we're all about it but on the inside we're just a little bit grumpy you know we're a little bit frustrated uh, we're frustrated that we got we got to buy gifts for people that we only see one time a year. You know, uh, we're really we're really annoyed that we gotta you know we gotta we gotta get all those boxes out of the attic, unpack all that Christmas stuff only for a few days, then we gotta pack it all back up and put it all back in the attic. It's a lot of work. We're we're really irritated that that we gotta go spend time with people and do things for people because it makes Christmas special for them, even though it may not be what we want to do. It's it's. It's Christmas, and we want to feel like Cindy Lou Who, but the truth is we feel a little more like the Grinch, but we're trying to fake it till we make it because we don't want anybody else to know. You don't have to raise your hand if you're there, but I think sometimes we've all felt that way just a little bit, right? If Christmas is a season of love, we've got real questions about what this love looks like because our inner life, we don't have that, that love. We don't feel that, at least not the way we want to. It's a problem. The good news is that if Christmas is a season for love, and if we want to know what this love looks like, the good news is that God has shown us what this love looks like. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, I want to invite you to open up to Romans uh, chapter 5. Over the last few weeks as we've talked 
about these ideas of faith and hope and love, we've, we've turned our attention to the writing of a man named Paul to a church in the ancient city of Rome that we call Romans. And he wrote to remind this church of, of a lot of things, but he wanted to remind them about this love and what this love looks like that we're talking about today. So after reminding them of the faith that we have and the hope that we hold on to, I want, I want you to hear what Paul reminds us of in regards to this love in Romans chapter 5, we'll start in verse 6. Paul wrote these words. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. This is, this is what love looks like. The great love of God was revealed when God sent Jesus from heaven to earth. And yes, he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, but that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning of the story. This is what love looks like. It's God sending Jesus from heaven to earth. Yes, to be born, but not just to be born, but to die. And the question is why? This is always the question. This is the question everyone asks. Why did Jesus have to die for me? Why did Jesus have to die for me? And that's a really good question, but I think to answer that question, you really have to ask another question, right? And that question normally goes something like this, and it's this. What do you believe happens after this life? What do you believe happens after this life? And if you come to the conclusion that there is something more after this life, if that is your conviction that there is something after this life, then you may have that thought that there may be something in this life that impacts the next life. And every major world religion will teach some version of this, that in order to enjoy some version of the next life, the afterlife, you have to do certain things in this life to please a God or please the gods or please the universe. And if you do those things, then maybe, just maybe, you will enjoy the next life, the afterlife. Every world religion teaches some version of that, except for one that says there was a God who was the creator, but he became created. There was a God who left heaven and came to earth, and he was born in a manger in a city called Bethlehem. And he lived among us, and then he died for us. There's one story that tells that story. And it's not so that you and I could enjoy the afterlife. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came so we could enjoy eternal life. You see, the afterlife is something that happens later. Eternal life is something that starts right now. And every other world religion will tell you, hey, hey, do this and you will find life. But that's not what Jesus says. That's not why he came. He came to say, hey, look what I have done for you and then you will find life. The reality is, and a lot of us have figured this out, that our sin has completely and totally and utterly separated us from God because God is holy and we are not because he is perfect and we are not we are completely and eternally separated from God and our problem is we can't we can't fix that 
Like you can't do enough good things to work your way back to God. You can't save up enough money and buy a ticket into heaven. There's nothing you can do to, to, to fix things, to make things right, to get the relationship that's been broken made right. You, you can't do that. And so, so what do we do? At just the right time, Christ came. Jesus came. And Jesus died because Jesus loved. And this, by the way, this is what love looks like. It's sacrificial. In fact, I would suggest this morning that love that is not sacrificial is not really love at all. This is what love looks like. And Paul continues, he says, Since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. God demonstrated his love for you at the cross. He didn't ask you to demonstrate your love. He demonstrated his love for you. And this is one of the reasons you get this. We talked about this already during communion. But this is one of the reasons we give gifts at Christmas. Because it's a way. It may not be the best way. But it's a way that we demonstrate love. It's by the giving of gifts. And so I don't know how it works in your family. But in our family, Alicia and I have to talk about this. You know, Uh, Because we are people of finite resources. We can't do everything for everybody. So we have to talk about okay how much how much are we going to spend on each other how much are we going to spend on the kids how much are we going to spend on on your parents on my parents and then there's uh you know your brother and my sister then there's all the the nieces and nephews and we have a desire to get everyone a gift why because because we love we love them and we want them to know that we love them and the giving of gifts is the way that we communicate and we demonstrate that love but we we can't do everything for everybody so we've got to make a decision about how we're going to do that and what we're going to be able to afford to do for for each person that we want to give a gift to it's, it's just what we do every christmas we talk about it and we have to figure it out once again but but that said you know this is true as well that whenever you get a gift from someone and you know it costs them a lot you know you know it costs them a great deal of time or energy or effort. Or maybe it did cost them a lot of money and they had to sacrifice something that they wanted or sacrifice their time or their effort in order to to get this for you or make this for you or make this possible for you. You know whenever you're a recipient of that kind of gift, you know what you feel? You feel different, don't you? What do you feel? You feel loved. You feel loved. Because giving a gift... An extravagant gift that costs the giver something communicates and demonstrates love in a way that sometimes words just fail to do. So this is the way that God demonstrates and communicates his love for you. He gave you a gift that cost him absolutely everything. When he gave you the gift of his son, he took action to forgive you. Before you even asked for forgiveness, he took action to love you before you ever decided or agreed or thought about loving him back. He wanted you to know that when you belong to Jesus and when you're a recipient of the great love of God revealed in Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. And it's all because of Jesus. Jesus. 
And this is hard for us because this isn't how the world works. This isn't how things work down here between us, right? Because God's story is, hey, uh, I love you, right? But, but our story is, um, I love you and I want to get a gift for you. But the truth is, you've got to act a certain way if I'm going to get you what you want, right? Like, I'm going to need you to behave, perform, kids, you've got to act right. You know, we even have songs about this. We sing, these, we sing this song in my house literally every day right now. You know the song, oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Why? Sing it with me. Santa Claus is coming to town. Keep going. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. And what? He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Why? Because if you're naughty, you ain't getting nothing except coal in your stocking. Right? If this was how God worked, this would not be good news for us, people. This is why, by the way, God is better than Santa. I love Santa. I love the guy in the big red suit. God is better. Why? Because that is not how God works. God's story isn't he's making a list and checking it twice to find out who's naughty or nice. God's story is I love you, period. Jesus died for you, period. It's not ever been about what you have to do for God to be loved by God, to get the gift of God. It's about what God has done for you through Jesus so you could receive the gift of God. Yeah, amen. This is the story. This is the good news. This is the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says he, Jesus, will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Then you flip a page in your Bible to chapter 8, and you read these famous words that Paul wrote in chapter 8, verse 1, when he wrote these words. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And then you drop down to verse 38, and he says this, I'm convinced. I am absolutely unequivocally, I am convinced that nothing can never separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. He begins with this, with this, there is no condemnation, and then he ends with this, there is no separation. Why? Because Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus loved. This is the sacrificial love of God revealed in Christ Jesus. And because of it, we'll never be condemned and we'll never be separated from God. So you want to know what love looks like? Look at the manger. Absolutely. This is the story of when love came down. But don't stop at the manger. Look at the manger, but then look at the cross, and you will see what the love of God looks like. But then you'll have to answer this question. What do you do with the love of God? At the end of the movie, the Grinch has now collected all the presents from Whoville, right? He's taken all the decorations and Christmas trees from every home. He's put them all in his sleigh and he's pushed them up the mountain. And now he's 
He's right beside the cave that he calls home, and he's so proud of himself that he has had the vengeance that he wanted, and he's stolen all the presents from Whoville down below. You remember the scene. He's on top of the mountain, and he looks down to Whoville, and then he begins to hear something that he did not expect. He hears singing. And he looks down from that mountain onto the city of Whoville, and he sees every Who in Whoville holding hands in a big circle around the lone standing Christmas tree left in the middle of town. And they're swaying back and forth, and they're singing this song. And that's when the Grinch begins to think to himself this thought. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. And then he begins to sing along. <laughs> they say the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. Why? Why? Because all throughout the story, the Grinch had been the recipient of love from a little girl named Cindy Lou Who. And that love changed his life. His plan was to spoil Christmas, but his life was changed because of the love of a little girl. It's a universal truth that love changes lives. That's a universal truth. But that is only true because this is true, the love of God, the sacrificial love of God, the radical love of God, the unconditional love of God changes lives. And if you want to know what that kind of love looks like, look at the manger, but then look at the cross. And if you've experienced that kind of love, if you've come face to face with that kind of love, then you know. You know because that love has changed your life. If you, if you think, man, I, I know about the love of God, but for whatever reason my life hasn't changed, at least not the way I thought it would, I want to encourage you too to go back and to look at the manger and look at the cross and sit at the feet of Jesus just a little bit longer because it will change your life. It's the reason we should really consider this love every single day because this love changes our lives every day, little by little. We're transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean you're going to live perfectly, but it does mean you will live differently because the radical, unconditional, sacrificial love of God always changes lives. And what I'm curious about is if you've experienced that change in your life, then would you be able to love someone else the way Christ has loved you? And this week, honestly, it's a prime opportunity, right? It's a time where we're going to gather with family and friends, and we may be around some people that maybe it's hard for us to be around a little bit. And maybe it's an opportunity for us to practice loving people the way God has loved us. And I don't know what that means for you this Christmas, but it is my encouragement and my challenge for you. Maybe this year at Christmas, you just take it upon yourself to be the person that picks up all the wrapping paper after the kids destroy the presents and you want to you be on cleanup duty. Or you get all the dishes after Christmas dinner and you're like, hey, y'all stay in here and have a good time. Let me take this and let me do this this year. I know I don't normally do it, but I want to do it this year. Maybe this year you turn off the football game to watch the Christmas movie with the family. You know, it's a sacrifice, people. you got to find a way to sacrificially love the people around you. I don't know what it is, but is there a way... 
that you could love the people around you in a sacrificial way. Because when you do, when you do, it's, it's not just that you've received the unconditional, sacrificial, radical love of God. Now, it's because of that love you've been changed. And you want to share that radical, unconditional, sacrificial love with the people around you. Maybe it's time this Christmas that our heart grows three sizes as well. Church, if you would, let's stand. So what would it look like if this year we showed the world around us what this love looks like? We have an incredible faith. We believe that God sent Jesus from heaven to earth so that everyone who has faith in him would experience the confident hope of salvation. And we have an incredible hope. We believe the unconditional love of God gives us unparalleled hope in God. That come what may, we know that this is true. We have this hope that God will save us. And we have this incredible love. We have experience. We are recipients of the great love of God, the sacrificial love of God, revealed through Jesus, yes, in the manger, but then on the cross. And what if we allowed this love to change us? The truth is, this love changes everything because this love is amazing. This love is Jesus. May this week, may we go from this place and may we share this love. Let's sing.